کشاورزی سہناوتو سہنو بھنکتو سہ ویریم کرواہی میڈیٹیشن so i uh, while i'm not going to go through in uh, the uh, the specifics of what we discussed i felt the quick way of summarizing what we uh, discussed last week was how the book describes in uh, in page 66 the between verses 60 to uh, verses uh, 40 to 45 uh, to 46 so i'm just going to quickly read out that so that will serve as a refresher for all of us as to what we have read so far and then we can continue i hope that's okay with all of you so um, it says here here is a here is a breakdown of how the thought flows in verse 40 our awareness of self is lost amidst the thick jungle of names and forms nama roopa we are still groping in the dark world of physical perceptions in verse 41 the state of realization is described in terms of our ability to know through the intellect now we have shifted from the physical to the intellectual in verse 42 we move on from the intellectual to the intuitive by coming to an understanding of meditation explained so well with the arani metaphor arani is that uh, uh, two blocks of wood that we take um, uh, to uh, and put a cotton in between and then we uh, you know keep uh, keep turning it and because of friction it catches fire and that's how we use it for uh, to create fire um then in verse 43 the benefits of meditation are seen as the brightening of the night sky metaphor where the early morning sun comes and the darkness just goes off the development of a satvik aura around the seeker is being described in verse 44 the self is now seen to have been with us all along it was never really outside us but was around our own neck at all the time the problem is seen as one of non apprehension of the truth i remember as a kid as a kid in andhra when we used to grow up it used to there used to be a phrase uh, uh, um, you know sankelo pillo ni pettukoni uranta ithikadu so that is like you have your uh, baby on your waist but you are searching for the baby all 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 over the world that's what it means and uh, verse 45 it is further noted that we have a, we have mistaken the self to be something else a post is mistaken to be a ghost the problem is seen one of misapprehension so the two problems are described non apprehension of the truth and then misapprehension of, of the truth which is uh, the the vikshepa and the avarna shakti of uh, uh, maya and finally in verse 46 the whole discovery is credited to the knowledge of the self which we gain from the guru without his clear directions we will never be successful in our quest so it's a systematic presentation of the factors leading to the state of realization in the last seven verses so the emphasis on you know the knowledge part of it and then the sadhana which is the quote unquote meditation or dhyana is what is uh, talks about in these last seven verses 
Anyone want to add? Okay, cool. So uh, with that, you know, we can just open up for uh, the verses 47 to 50. Uh, would, would anyone like to start off with your insights? The whole uh, Ramayana comparison was awesome, right? Uh, yeah, that was something that just uh, stood out in these uh, in these uh, four verses uh, uh, text context. That was superb, right? Uh, comparing uh, each uh, character and uh, uh, you know the setting with what uh, what they imply, including the meaning of Ayodhya and uh, how the whole world uh, we are drowned in and where we are getting back to rather right from the from these worldly places so, yeah i thought that was uh, that was really uh, very insightful absolutely i did not even know uh, i did not even connect the word uh, the words meaning of ayodhya mm. to how uh, the book says right it is so powerful and also um, the other thing that uh, that is not mentioned in that Ayodhya story, which struck me, was that Rama is actually the self, the uh, Atman. He's he takes birth, you know, in a physical form, then quote unquote uh, loses his identity, goes finds it back, and then he continues to be at peace with himself after that. Mm. Which is the same as what we are. We are all the same, right? Mm -hmm. That is a very beautiful analogy. I really loved it, uh, that uh, Ramayana analogy in this. Yeah. See, the, the other thing that struck me uh, was uh, the talk about, uh, you know, um, the divine eyes. I think it's some shloka, it, it, uh, the eye of wisdom, verse 47, it talks about, right? So if you look mm. at, uh, you know, the Gita chapter uh, 11, where uh, Bhagavan gives Vishwarupa Darshana to uh, Arjuna, we, I think we still haven't covered that, but, but nevertheless, it's probably a good idea to kind of you know, mention. There, um, he, he, he talks, you know, Arjuna actually asks in Gita 10, in, in chapter 10, you know, Bhagavan completely describes his glories. You know, I am this, I am, I am that, and all that stuff. But then uh, Arjuna still does not get it. Then, uh, uh, then he he says, uh, you know, I want to I want to see your divine form the way it is. Then uh, uh, you know, uh, Bhagavan says, Natumam shakyase drashtum ane chakshusha divyam dadamite chakshuhu pashyame yoga maishwaram. He says that, but you will not be able to see me just with these eyes of yours. I am giving unto you the celestial eye. Behold my divine miracle. So that's the time when you know he he kind of you know says that you know unless until you surrender surrender in bhakti to me, it's not possible to see what needs to be seen the way it is. That's the intuitive part that we need to get to from the intellectual.
and this was so similar right in that paragraph when he and that stanza when uh, uh, swamiji describes how the whole universe becomes uh, one with ourselves and we see ourselves as a whole universe right so similar to that uh, video we watched a few days back right of that lady jill bolt uh, yeah just so uh, you know uh, analogous both these uh, both these worlds are yeah and manu thank you for recommending that that's a good one and kishore good good video you posted it although i haven't read the book and uh, not sure when i'll get to it but the video was good idea about how yeah. what jill went through i was afraid uh, manu uh, we spoiled her reading experience by <laughs> making her watch that video <laughs> no actually it was uh, very nice to watch the video and actually see her uh, you know talk about it because it just i think the the way she described it was so powerful in the book also it's very powerful but to hear her uh, you know talk about it was very it was very wonderful was it a good summary of the book uh, um, manu it, or it, is uh, other other <laughs> aspects covered in the book it's a, it's a summary of the book but uh, the book i think has so many beautiful sentences and such you know quotable sentences like i i have just been enjoying reading the book and really mm. dwelling on some of the things she's she's said so mm, i awesome. i would still recommend reading the book too <laughs> even after mm. watching that uh, the video manu can i so. give you can i gift you a highlighter <laughs> <laughs> i i can share a few quotes because i've been sharing on our other group uh, with you know some of our other friends so i can share some of those quotes on the on our group please do yeah i will anyone else the biology lesson of the wasp and the worm was also pretty insightful i never knew that was how the wasp uh you know kind of train the worm to become a wasp you uh you remember rajesh one of those verses yeah of course talks about yeah but but they i i remember having um, listened to another lecture by swami guruparananda where he says that actually in biology it really does not happen that way apparently it's a quote unquote it's a mythical way of it's a what do you call it a uh, non non bio you know it does not happen in reality i believe but it's just an explanation okay. to as an mm -hmm. example mythical example apparently okay okay cool good to know yeah yeah i shouldn't go and tell someone else that this is how it really happened correct correct yeah. so it's it's not exactly a wasp turning into uh, 
a bee a but uh, yeah it's a worm turning into a wasp but it seems to be that you know it's like uh, it's a it's a it's a mythical example where it basically says that you know you keep repeating a particular a particular thing in your head in your mind and then you become that after some time and to explain that i think they use this analogy but it's it's apparently not a real one so biology does not support this mm-hmm. okay actually in uh, in this uh, verse uh, uh, 47 you know they go and describe um, that you know it, it talks about this uh, um, extended metaphor and all that right he is a jackal and he is a jackal beware of his cunning and all that right and then um, the the gnani sees all as his self and the self as all right i think uh, there's a different take on this so basically he says that uh, you know if the gnani sees all as his self and then if you stop just at that then the uh, then the listener we might think that okay it's only an experience of gnani it's not my experience so and then he will ignore that instruction saying that okay i am not a gnani so i don't care but then the next and next statement when he says and the self as all right then the other person will there's no doubt saying that you know the self as all and the all as self is the same thing it's just that you know there is no ambiguity the ambiguity has been eliminated i didn't realize that you know sanskrit is so powerful to um, to go to that minute extent of removing ambiguities completely so it's so a question for you right um this 47 to 50 kind of you know gives you gives one as a, a complete representation of who we are and uh, with all these similes and everything but in real life do we actually experience that no we don't yeah. <laughs> for the most part uh, ask, the most ask part. again sorry what was your question sir good text sir Now the question is you know it describes who you know the self is all and all is self the with with all the various metaphors and similes right and then in example mm-hmm. is a pot pot and the um, uh, yeah, yeah, pots yeah. pots in the clay and waves in the ocean waves in the water and everything but then in real life you know in a day to day life how often do you experience that i guess that comes with realization with self realization right that's the ultimate uh, this thing what we are going through now is uh, reading this but uh, that's what, what realization is when you will truly uh, experience that kind of a feeling where uh, we are one with all and uh, you know we see ourselves in everyone and everyone in us 
So the, the um, way I see it, 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 it's a good good question, right? Because it says, uh, for instance, that it is with us at all times, but we don't we don't feel it that way, even though the texts are saying it in different ways, one way or the other, right? Um, the main reason, from what I understand, is that our mind is even this realization has to happen in the mind, right? So finally, that is the instrument where this knowledge can uh, come together, right? But that we are not giving it the chance because the mind is muddled with so many things. It's, it is, uh, and, and that's where we come back to the analogy of the lake and so on, right? Where the, um, uh, the lake is muddy and there is waves on the surface of the lake you're not able to see the fish under the uh, water. So it has to settle down. The waves have to uh, stop to have a still mind to be able to see um, the source, which has always been there. It's just not been able to manifest because our mind is uh, almost always agitated. Right? Agitated is a strong word. It's, it's always engaged with something or the other, which is either in the past or in the future. Right? So it's always going through something. Um, in meditation, we're giving it some chance. There is a, even the slightest of chance of the mind being calm and still. And hence, we probably get a glimpse, so to say, I mean, maybe a little bit of that, right? Um, uh, but more often than not, we, we don't feel connected to that source because we are, our mind is engaged with so many, many things, right? So, um, so this is a, I, I've been actually thinking about this, uh, you know, in, even if you take it in terms of a framework. Um, so the Upanishads are always pointing towards the source and saying it's always there in you, right? The, um, but then we don't experience it that way. So that is a dichotomy, the difference. So how do we solve that, right? And, and that answer lies in how do we make our minds still and calm? Because when that is there, automatically the source is going to be seen, right? So then in some ways, many of us at, in, in our path, where we are in our journey, the focus shifts to how do we make our mind calm and still. That led me to the next question, which is what is making it not calm, <laughs> right? What is causing that, right? What is the cause of it being not calm? And there, there are interesting um, paths you can take from there, right? In the sense... What is causing these agitations, right? Why are we engaged with these thoughts? What type of thoughts are these? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I've been walking through that uh, path of, but this is a good way of framing it because finally, now the problem shifted for me to, yes, I, I understand this intellectually. Now the problem shifts to how do I stay calm so that I can, uh, the, the source can be seen, right? So. <laughs> no, well expressed, Vivek. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very behind in the, in the text and reading it, but I've been listening to uh, Swamita's Atmananda's uh, talks on Atma Bodha and, and reflecting on what uh, Swami Sarvapriyananda said in his talks as well. So actually just yesterday in one of his explanations, he was saying, uh, you know, once that realization happens as to the, the unity of uh, the self with the, with the eternal consciousness, uh, it, the experience of life doesn't change. It, yeah. That experience remains the same. 
but we we are able to put it in better context. And I think I mean he hasn't said it as much, but I'm taking it that so that it's it's the application of the knowledge. Uh, so ignorance is gone, and and once ignorance is gone, then what? And and the what is that you can you 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 take it for what it is is Maya, and and but but the experience is still there. And is that experience similar to uh, what uh, Dr. Jill um, felt uh, in some ways because she got unlocked from uh, the ego uh, at least for a period of time, and she felt same with every everything else, right? In the sense that she, uh, her consciousness is consciousness expanded to everything. In that sense, you're muted, uh, Radish. I think what Vivek is uh, saying, you know, I can express probably it in a different analogy, which is the experience of the blue sky, right? The sky is seen as blue for us, but quote unquote, scientifically, we know the sky is not blue in color, but we still enjoy the sky's blue color. At the back of the mind, it's still, we know it is not blue in color. Right? The experience has not changed. You know, you don't, when you go look up the sky, it, it's no longer looks black or colorless or actually white. I don't, I don't even know how it looks. We, we, we continue, we continue to experience the blue sky, but we understand that it's not really blue. Right. So, so that experience of Maya, the duality is still there. But then it goes back, you know, you can always put that third eye and then say, okay, I see blue, but it is not blue. Then you remove the third eye. Oh, I'm enjoying the blue. And then you're done. It is. Uh, I mean, I think what, what I'm getting to understand from this, all this is that getting that knowledge is one thing, but then the practice of it too is that experience of duality will still be there. Uh, it'll never be there, but you know, uh, in the back of the mind now, we 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 know uh, what 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 actual reality is, but then connecting that on a regular basis requires all the other practices of karma yoga, bhakti yoga, and and uh, and such like. So, uh, how how do we do that in the current configuration of the lives that we run, that we have becomes the question. And and how how did you answer that question for yourself? Uh, it's still very much work in progress because you know all the all the uh, you know having gone through two two rounds of chaturmasa, you know all the um, it's very hard to get past all the desires and the sort of daily nine to seven. I've got an ex extra amount of workload in the last uh, two months, and sort of a lot of the practices have gone out of the window in that meantime. So so. It's a it's a day to day. Uh, you're taking a step back every now and then and evaluating where you are. It's, uh, that is that comes back to the challenge, right? I I can completely empathize with you on that because the last one month, you know, because of my COVID problem, you know, I started eating a lot of stuff uh, which I never would eat, like you know, onions and garlic, for example, to build back physical immunity. I realized that you know I'm not. Uh, not in a state to uh, sit down in the morning to meditate. It, 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 I just can't do it. I just have to get back to a better discipline. Only then I can do it. 
completely understand you know those are the things that that kind of you know uh, to kishore to your point one of the things of which agitates the mind is this what what we eat right yeah, and of absolutely. course that's not just the, just the one thing there are many other things that can agitate yeah. as well yeah if if you analyze that right i think that's where the answer is um is is what i'm realizing right because um if you if you see um uh, what goes through the mind right so there are things that we um uh this is where karma yoga comes in as well i mean are we um the the stress of life in general gets we get pulled into that right so that is going through that uh, going to the mind and then if you look at some of the other things which is um the answer lies in like whether the values value of values the uh, yamas and niyamas right so those all are in this area of keeping that mind slightly calm right if to some extent even while engaging in uh, you know daily life right so is that possible is the question right I mean, so the practice for me has shifted to that in the in in many ways um meditation does give that and give us we are taking that vacation in a way in the morning if at least that time it is possible to um without too many things happening can we it, it is easier to some extent but then after that you know <laughs> it is hard very hard i just wanted to say something kishore you talked about jill right but uh, jill was in that expanded consciousness because biologically there was an issue right yeah. uh, so how do we go to that state without having a biological yeah. because yeah. she could not do her daily chores right or her daily routine or whatever so yeah. i think we do need that separation for us to do the daily work that whatever um, was assigned to us in our life and at the same time stay expanded i think that is where the challenge is <laughs> is <Absolutely. a> <laughs> but but chitra coming coming from mothers like you i think that should be probably easier for you to understand right oh <laughs> uh, nothing is easy you know <laughs> uh, and like you were saying rajesh um, it's it's a it's a journey which goes up and down right so at one point you feel like okay you've really you know your meditation is going well and you know you are on top of it and then you know something comes like a covid or like vivek said work you know everything drops you know it's all haywire then you're like oh my god where am i you know lost track of my life and then you come back yeah. i think it's um, i think that's i don't know if that's the journey for everyone but i think yeah. that's the journey for most people is we go down and then we come up and i think right. we go a little higher when we come up the next time <laughs> the thing is this yeah i know i completely uh, agree with that uh, and that's how i sometimes feel too which is just get caught up right in in daily life and then at those times we kind of forget quote and quote and i say forget quote and quote forget um and to go back into that uh, core right and to stay stay there and then to work from that which is probably what is meant in in the gita where you are there at that that core is there at all times and then from that point you're working no matter what what you're taking but we forget that i mean or at least i should say i forget it uh, in in daily uh, uh, and then at some point during the day it comes back and it's like what did i do the last few hours and then it's uh, it feels like a blur uh, because that 
that same level of, I don't know, maybe that in some ways it's presence, right? Being in the moment, being in, uh, and oftentimes it's okay. Maybe we are probably completely engaged in work in the moment and engaged in work. That feels good. But then there are other times when it's not. We're just getting tossed uh, here and there. So is it possible to um, still stay, keep the core and then do that in daily life? So I agree. So, um, you know, I was thinking, uh, since we referenced Dr. Taylor's book, um, in reading that and, and in watching that, the video, what I, the way I think about it is, yes, she went through an experience that was um, very different and, you know, very debilitating for her. And she got this realization because of that experience. But uh, the way I'm thinking, you know, we can use her experience, and this is why she's written the book too, right? And, and she's trying to spread the idea, is to understand from her experience that, well, you know, it, it, we are all one. You know, there is that consciousness in everything which is connected. And so, yeah, we are not experiencing that maybe, but intellectually at least we can understand and maybe come at it from that angle and every time there is something that bothers us or you know we have a, a, a reaction that upsets us maybe we can remind ourselves and and let go of that um, that feeling you know so uh, I, I that's how I'm taking it because I, I think it's a good reminder you know every time something happens that you know, I'm just, uh, she says, you know, I, I she says in, at one point that I never realized I was um, just a visitor in, you know, and using this body as a portal to visit this three-dimensional reality that, uh, that we have sort of uh, the, the common reality that we have woven, which is very similar to what we've learned, right? In terms of Maya and, and uh, the and everything. Manu, when I was, uh, you know, you posted a paragraph there and, and the video as well. It's like, um, it's a direct experience for her. And so did our Rishis, right? I mean, they had a direct right. experience, not through this biological problem, but, but yeah. they got a direct experience through very deep states of meditation, right? Um, and finally, they reached probably the same point. And they saw this, they experienced it um, in the sense that there was a direct perception of that. They became one with it and, and saw that. Uh, uh, and, and then they came out of that and wrote uh, or spread, let's say, the, um, the Upanishads and what, and everything else that followed. Now, the, the question is this. I mean, then is direct perception a very important part of this journey? Because we are learning this and we've been learning this again. So is, is that... Um, a prerequisite to realize, um, or is this enough to, um, is the knowledge of this, this the Shravanam Mananam that we are going through, is, is that good enough? Or the direct perception is that important? Because again, there are other philosophies like yoga, which, which focus on this direct perception, right? Um, or even 
um, uh, there's definitely a group of uh, there's a group that thinks that direct perception is the is important, right? I mean, which lays a lot of important there, importance there. Vedanta plays uh, puts a lot of importance on the the knowledge aspects of it. Different ways, that's all. But I'm just wondering, even through yeah. the knowledge path, direct perception. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just posing it as a question. I feel my, that changes it. Yeah. My understanding, uh, Kishore, is that those stages of the Astanga Yoga and then eventually you reach the Samadhi state and Nirvikalpa Samadhi was yeah. perhaps closest to what yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Dr. Taylor went through, right? Correct. Uh, and they, they clearly mentioned that both Vikalpa Samadhi and Nirvikalpa Samadhi are temporary states, right? You go, you experience that mm -hmm. and you can come, come out of it, right? And right. you can be in the regular mm -hmm. world. And then there are uh, practices of Samadhi which go beyond even Nirvikalpa Samadhi where you are permanently in that uh, uh, state uh, as well, right? So, uh, yeah, and to your question about whether we can perceive this just through the jnana part, I, I don't know. But I think eventually everything leads to that uh, Nirvikalpa Samadhi, no matter which path you take, whether through bhakti or jnana or yoga, uh, raja yoga, it will lead to that uh, that state is what A my duality feeling state. is. Yeah, the yeah. non-dual state, right, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, th that's what I would also say, that that's sort of the goal or the destination that we are trying to achieve. But, you know, how we get there probably are different paths. Yeah. You, you know what, what uh, amazes me, sorry, this is not, uh, what uh, always amazes me is how people who have these experiences, and I, I can't expect any of us have had such experiences, um, but they come, they bring back their understanding just near around, approximately around what we are studying, but not precisely what, what we are studying. And, you know, the combination of knowledge, uh, had they had the benefit of this understanding that the Vedanta scriptures teach us, um, would, their, would their experience would have been deeper, richer? Would they come back? feeling, uh, you know, slightly different or much different to how they feel right now about, about it. I've always wondered about that. Mm. You remember, you know, we spoke yeah. to Aradaji the other day, right, when uh, in the home at last conversation. I think this point came about in that conversation to where she was not, she didn't read through the scriptures or she wasn't completely from a gyan part of it, you know, completely there before she experienced. So she went through a lot of, how do I piece this all together kind of a feeling. So the I, I think to your point, Vivek, it certainly makes the experience more richer. Maybe you know what to expect and what's coming rather than be overwhelmed by what's come to you and you don't know what it is. That, that, that's how she described it. You know, I didn't know there was a lot that was happening in me, whether it is about the you know energy or, the disconnect that I was facing with the world. And I didn't know whether this is what is uh, a journey towards realization. She, she expressed that. Correct. Right. And, uh, um, we hear a lot of people, you know, have near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences. And uh, 
we don't really know what they, because they are not able to articulate what they went through. And I think that's where uh, Dr. Taylor's book I found is different, that she is able to articulate what exactly she is going through. And uh, it's pretty interesting from that point of view. She's actually describing a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience and how you know, that might feel or how you, know, you, you, might, uh, what you might experience if you go through that. So from that perspective, I, I, so I don't know if we would call this like more uh, nirvikalpa samadhi or something, but to me, it seems like more of a, you know, a near-death experience. She is like, you know, almost, she, she talks about how her spirit is, you know, ready to leave the body because staying in the body is going to be so painful. The body is feeling the pain. So the spirit does not want to be in the body anymore. But eventually, you know, the, she does come back and, and she writes about it. So I feel like it's more than, and it's because she doesn't know. And like, you know, we've talked about the fact that she hadn't, she hasn't read all these scriptures. She doesn't have this framework to, uh, to sort of uh, explain her experience in. So I think what she is really explaining is from that perspective. And, and it's, I think it's very similar, you know, as we, because we are reading this and then we can um, see the similarities. But I think from her perspective, I don't think she sees because she doesn't have that, that framework. So she doesn't explain it in that manner. Um, yeah. But, but it is the same thing. It is becoming one with the world around you. She talks about losing um, the sense of self as in where, the extremities of her body end and where the outer world begins, she, she loses that, that uh, separation of, yeah. you know, the body and the external surroundings and so on and so forth. So, so I think it's, uh, that, that's how I would describe her thing. It's, you know, it seems to me it's more like she's describing an out of body experience uh, of the soul. How do you know that it's true? How can it? Why? Why it should not be imagination? Well, she or hallucination. She talks about that actually. She says, you know, how do you think? You might say, how do I remember all this? And then she goes on to explain, you know, from a biological point of view, how she is remembering some of these things. So, um, so. Yeah, I mean, you can take it for a great fiction writer can actually do that. I'm just being. Yes, you're I'm true. just being. You know, it, it, it's uh, true. It's true. You know, and uh, they also say that you know, truth is stranger than fiction. So, <laughs> so you can uh, take it either way. I mean, I choose to believe that. Yeah, she did go through it. No, see, Manu, the reason why I raised that question was, uh, uh, of course, I've not read the book uh, at all, and I've watched only the video. But more importantly, what struck me was what Vivek said and what uh, Uday was saying at the beginning of this conversation, right? Saying that, uh, you know, when I asked this question, okay, how do we uh, use this knowledge in our daily life? Uday said, you know, we should get to a state of realization. And then uh, Vivek, Vivek said, okay, you know, the 
everybody who has done the realization who has got the realization seems to have a different version of the truth and all that but my question is like you know um, we have read so far that this is something which is the the knowledge of the self or the self itself is beyond the perception of the five senses beyond any experiences if that is the case then if somebody can describe an experience then that means that's not it for example if somebody says i have i have seen it or i have experienced it whatever that it is then you can actually tell him that you know you have not experienced it you don't know what it is because yeah. you're being so sure about it no right? you are right and this is why i think that you know i would describe her her uh, book as more of describing an out of body experience associated with a near death sort of uh, you know situation so because i don't know that you know i i don't think she can really explain the nirvikalp samadhi state or whatever because she doesn't even know that that is there or or maybe like you said maybe she can't even describe it even if she went through it so whatever she is describing is um you know just how her she t- talks about the right brain versus left brain and and what her right brain is able to experience while the left brain is shutting down so um so she describes it in that in those terms yeah. and and so that's why i feel like you know yes we can take it with a pinch of salt okay maybe she's embellishing a little bit but it's a beautiful embellishment and the way she describes it is so wonderful and you know i think it's great if people can start thinking like that because i think half the you know problems of this world would disappear if people would just start thinking that way that's so. true i agree with you but but, but manu uh, manu when i watch the video i know that there are two hands raised but ashish I, if you if you can give me a minute just to conclude on this thought that manu was saying the when i watched the video the the understanding that i got maybe it's partial understanding is that she suddenly seemed to have moved away from uh, a role of being extremely logical scientisty kind of a brain mindset to being quote unquote an emotional and uh, fluidy and artistic kind of a mindset right. and my point was that you know when i wrote that message uh, when i uh, commented on on a gita group my point is that neither of them is is the reality that we are chasing to go behind we are going we want to go beyond you know the logical mind and the emotional mind and go beyond that yeah yeah and and uh, that's why i think it's it's good to read the book because it it does give more perspective on that and how she describes what the left brain you know what the 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 uh, the work that the left brain does versus what the right brain does and and how things are changing for instance she and i think she mentions in the talk too that the the right brain is always in the moment it's present in the moment and the left brain is the one that is stitching together these moments and creating the sense of time so when the left brain shuts down she's only present in the moment and she doesn't know what she's just done or what you know is coming ahead uh things like that so it, it's sort of the same kinds of things we are talking about right we want to be present in the moment and and so on and so forth so it's i think you take from it what you want and it's not it's not uh, you know exactly what we've been reading or studying i think what we are studying is so much more but i think it's a good good way to understand the world 
Absolutely. No, uh, Manu, uh, don't get us wrong. We are not trying to uh, ask you to justify the book, okay? No, no, so. I'm not justifying. <laughs> but I, I do feel like if people would read it and and understand it, that it would help yeah, us, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, interact with this world in a better way. Yeah. I'm saying then that anybody who describes this experience, so now this Dr. Jill and there was Shardaji who was explaining, it's is it... You're saying that that is not really possible and that probably a good imagination or a good parallel to the theory knowledge that they had? No, I'm not saying it is not possible. I'm saying it is possible. All I'm saying is that if you have experienced it, then automatically it is not it. Because you, that already the scriptures say that if, you have, if something can be experienced or seen or felt or touched or you know even perceived, then it is not it. So Ashish, if I may uh, interject here, just for uh, on this point, Rajesh, I may, I I agree in that what you it is not an object of experience. However, you are you are it at that time. Okay, you see what I mean. Even though they're call, they're calling this as an experience, what I read from it is that you are you are one with it. You're not experiencing it. You are one with it, right? And that is the even though we are calling using the word experience, there's no other thing to call it that, right? We're just using the word because there's no other way to say this. You've gone through uh, an experience of being one where there was no, uh, no duality, right? So you experienced a non-dual state for a certain period of time, whether it was Dr. Jill uh, or, or anybody else who has reached the, or who has experienced Nirvikalpa uh, Samadhi state. In my opinion, I think it is very similar um, uh, or probably the same state that what, what is described in the scriptures because they, the rishis also went through an experience in deep meditative state of oneness with that universal consciousness, right? So, so in which case they didn't have the identity, they didn't have a, a, a the extremities of the body, right? They, they lost... Um, uh, those the cog uh, cognizance of those right and went beyond and they, they transcended uh, and whatever the experience is what is written so in some ways it, this is similar if not the same uh, or almost the same um, the, uh, I have a couple of things there um, one is uh, an interesting book that I've been also reading just to explore other, <laughs> uh, get more perspectives, which is that of, I don't know, some of you may have heard of this person by name Ram Das. Uh, I don't know if you have, but um, again, very interesting because his, he, he was a professor at Harvard um, who was involved with uh, experimenting with LSD back in the 60s, along with Timothy, uh, I, forgot, I forget his last name. They both um, were looking at the, the, uh, psychological benefits of psilocybin, right, which is there in mushrooms and whatever, LSD, uh, to get to this transcendental state. So he talks about how they would take this trip to the state, right, and after a week after week after week, and they would experience this, and he explains the state, and very, very similar to what uh, Dr. Jail has explained, or of not having out of completely out of body, not having any uh, sense of this is me and this is everything else, being in that state and then coming back, right? And then he says, at some point, he says, 
after that, they knew what that stage is going to be. I've seen it so many times, week after week after week. And he was lost. Uh, he's like, I don't know what to do now, right? What, uh, I didn't know how to make sense of it or what next, right? So that's when he goes to India and, and, uh, and um, is, gets associated with Neem Karoli Baba and, and, then, and so on. That's his journey, right? So anyway, um, uh, the reason I brought it up is <laughs> there is this other path which also takes people to that, that same state according to that book, which, where also he explains very, very similar language is used is very, very similar to that used by Sharadaji, that used by Dr. Jill, that we read, read in Upanishads in some way in terms of the non-dual state, right? Um, the, the, then the question is, has, okay, you, you went through that oneness experience and I agree with Manu that uh, that oneness by itself has some value because now you see that there is no difference. So when you come back into real life, they probably, hopefully, that oneness stays with you, right? Which is what we want to uh, see in more and more people in general. Um, but other than that, does it change you completely, right? What happens after that, right? Does it completely transform you um, because of having had that oneness experience, right? So... I, I, I'm wondering if from the book, I, I, I'm going to read the book, but I'm wondering if that has changed uh, Dr. Jill in the same way. I don't we'll, know. We'll, we'll, we'll park that question and then let's get to Ashish and let's hear what Ashish has to say and yeah. then we'll probably get back to that. I got messed up uh, what I was going to say in all this. Sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Yeah, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, uh, there, there were two points I wanted to bring up. One, one is, uh, you can say, kind of an opinion based on what I have. Ashish, your voice is muffled. Can you speak up a little closer to the mic? Is it better now, Rajesh? Yeah, so I was saying, uh, I, I was going to present two points. One uh, could be considered as an opinion. The second is uh, exactly I'm trying to say what we have been reading uh, in the text and listening. Uh, so the first one is uh, what Kishore also pointed out to these uh, exalted states or experiences, mystical or extraordinary, whatever we call them. They, they, they can be induced by psychedelics. And they, they sometimes happen when the brain gets damaged in a particular way. So uh, I think uh, that is what happened with Dr. Gil. Uh, so these can be induced. Uh, and uh, while I was going through what uh, Kishore was explaining about uh, Ramdas, uh, so he and Timothy Leary, they, they did experience with LSD, and uh, when they went to India to meet Neem Karoli Baba, he, he gave such a high dose to him uh, that would have killed a normal person and nothing happened. That, that, that's innovative, one of his books. So, which means that there, there are people to, to whom whether uh, psychedelics is given or not, they, they are in some different state already, which is their normal state. I, I, I was not planning to mention this, since you sure mentioned Ramdas, but I'll add this. Uh, and the second one uh, is uh, based on what we have been reading. 
and trying to learn. Uh, so uh, I I don't think that these experiences are necessary for MIT. Uh, you can be there, you come back and probably you won't be a changed person. Uh, so you, you, you have to stay with it. And uh, that, that means that obviously that paradigm shift has to be there, that uh, we are not this individual body and mind. Uh, we are uh, actually, we, we are everything. So that will happen. And the other thing is we have to stay with it. Uh, so ultimately, I think uh, what happens is that nothing changes. Uh, only the willing power of Maya is lifted. The world, your world will continue as it your struggles and uh, what you're facing with your kids, what you're facing with in your work life, it will continue as is, and you'll be able to deal with it. Um, mm. That is your Vyavharic life. Uh, you know that it is your Vyavharic life and you have to deal with it. But uh, at the back of uh, it, uh, you, you know that this is not real. And uh, even pains and sorrows are not real. So you have a paramarthic real, which uh, is always there. You're always there, even while uh, facing all that is happening. So that, that's fine. Beautifully said, Ashish. In fact, well I, yeah. I, was, I was coming to the same thing, right? Vivek, I know you raised your hand. If you don't mind, can I take a minute? Yeah. So, you know, when, when, Uday, when, you, Uday, when you said, you know, it, it's a state of realization, then you, then you get to that. And, and then Kishore's question, okay, how do you, uh, you know, how do we uh, experience that in our day-to-day in our -day life? I, I, my point is, you know, you really don't need an experience, actually. It's, you know, uh, there is nothing like an experience. The point is, there is any knowledge is, is a knowledge. And if that knowledge is not able to provide any benefits in a real life, then it's just that we are not applying that particular knowledge in real life. That's all it is. So the moment you have read, okay, shloka, some, some shloka in chapter two, which says who you truly are, and let's say you've understood it, I think you're done. But the point is that may not give you the benefit. It's like you know, knowing investing, fundamental investing and calculating all the PE and everything. But if you're not applying, you're not going to make money. But doesn't mean you don't know that. Yeah, and if, if the extraordinary experience happens, it is well and good. If it doesn't happen, then, then also it's okay. Yeah. You should not go after the experiences. Yeah. And, and, also, and also, Ajay, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Ashish, to your point, right? And Uday, you know, maybe I just want to, you know, sorry if you don't mind me saying this, but I think it's not, a, it's not a, when you say a state of realization is not a time in the future, it's not a place, okay? It is just a transformed understanding of who we truly are. And the transformed understanding is coming by scriptures, which says that you are not this, you are not that, you're not your body, you're not your mind, and you are somebody else. And that's it. There's nothing else beyond that. Uske baad, everything else is rearranging the body and mind to fit that reality rather than fit the external world of what we are used to. That's all it is. So, um, you know, what I, 
uh, what I wanted to add to that, Rajesh, is that this this experience of the oneness that uh, Shardaji talked about, and the doctor talked about, is it uh, is it a different state to the the waking, dreaming, uh, deep sleep state that we learn about, uh, or is it in one of these three? Well, I mean, is it is it a waking experience? Is it a deep sleep experience? Is it a dream experience? Or something else. Well, what would you, uh, for example, a person in coma? Where would you put that person in? Um, my, based on everything that I understand, deep sleep. So you can actually categorize that in some fashion. I, I also feel that you know her, her experience is probably a waking experience, okay, induced by, uh, by a physical condition that that she's able to describe. I think of it as a deep sleep state, but with awareness, because you, you are able to, which, which is, um, uh, yeah, in, because the person was aware, they could come back and tell you what it is, right? And that's exactly how our rishis did the same thing too. They were able to come back. They were able to transcend the three states and go into this fourth, Turiya, right? And then be able to come back and explain what that is. Would it not be an awake state? It's certainly not a dream state, right? I mean, dream state has... Yeah. Um, body it, awareness it, is lost. See, body awareness in, is lost. So even in waking state, there is sense perceptions, right? Which is not there in this state. There's no sense perception in the state, right? Uh, there's no body awareness or the, you're not, your senses are completely... Just like in deep st sleep state, in deep sleep, you don't have sense perceptions, right? You don't have a dream um, or dreams. Same thing in this state. They call this the fourth for that reason, right? In, in some ways, it's a transcendental state, right? Where you're not in any of the three. They don't yeah. know how to explain it as a fourth. No, 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 no. Kishore, it's, it's not that you're not in, a, it, it is not in any of the three. It is in, you are seeing all the three. Yeah. You are, so You've transcended the three. You, yeah, you transcend the a difference. Three. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no fourth state. It's just that there's no fourth beyond state. the three. Right. There, there's no beyond fourth. the three. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. That's a beyond the three. Yeah. We are very, very clear about this definition because Correct. You know, I agree. what she's agree. describing is could fit into one of the three categories or a borderline. You know, ninety-nine percent of waking and one percent of dreaming, or you know, wherever that one perceives it, you can put it in. But the three year state is none of these states. Agreed. It's just an understanding. It's just a perception. Yeah, Ajay. Sorry, uh, I've been sort of a bit out of pocket. So, you know, I have been, this is a very, very useful conversation today, I, I have to say, because ever since I heard Sharadaji uh, a few weeks back, I've been sort of debating in my mind, what does that mean? I mean, what is that? What is, what was she talking about? Uh, what was that experience? And like I think Rajesh, you described, it is an experience that she she talked about. And so that sort of resonates with me that, you know, the way I have understood uh, the fourth state or Turiya or the true self is what we really are, right? And, you know, one of the analogies or one of the ways of putting it is that, you know, it's, you know, we are ignorant. And once we get knowledge, the ignorance goes away, right? And, and therefore, if you get, once you get the knowledge, 
the knowledge is not going to go away. I mean, when I say knowledge, I mean knowledge with self-realization. If you achieve that state, you you know, this whole thing about you go into that state and come back, I just can't wrap my head around that. Because if you are, if you have achieved that state, you are done. I mean, there is no kind of, you know, it's like, it's not like kind of going from one world to another, right? And so if you have knowledge, I mean, if you, it's like the same example of Swami Sarvapriyanandaji that once you, if you don't know German, once you know German, you cannot kind of get to a state where you don't know German two days later, right? You just know it, right? So even with the Sharadaji, and I've not listened to the lecture that I think Manu posted on, uh, on, on, the, on this lady, uh, but to me, I can, I, I'm struggling with this whole sort of experience business because to me, if it's an experience, it's a body-mind experience and that cannot be the fourth uh, or the Turiya or that uh, self-realization. Uh, self uh, I was going to say experience, but no, self-realization only. Yeah. So, so I think that's where I am. But I think the conversation today has been helpful, in, at least in framing my own sort of thoughts in my mind. Uh, I'm kind of more in that sort of camp where I'm saying that at least the Shardaji experience is probably different from what we're trying to solve for. Absolutely. Kishore, before you, uh, before you mention your point, I just want to remind all of you, Shloka 2.25, I'm going to read it out. So it's a pretty good, good uh, reminder of what Bhagavan says, right? Avyak. It says that this self is said to be unmanifest, unthinkable and unchangeable. Therefore, knowing it to be such, you ought not to grieve. So, yes. you know, that's the very, very powerful, you know, if, it's, if something can be thought, if something can, if you say it's manifesting and changing, it is not the self. So there is no words to describe that state. You just have to understand it. Exactly. Exactly. The moment you describe it, it is not that. Can I say this? Nobody is describing it. You see what I mean? Nobody, even in these states, even though we are calling it an experience, they, they're not claiming that they are experiencing the self. They're, the experience is that of oneness. Nobody is saying, I saw self. Nobody's objectifying it. You see, I, I think there's a subtle difference that we should understand here, uh, uh, um, that it is not being experienced as an object. They are explaining a state of oneness with something else, which, in, uh, uh, you That's know, good. if you had the foundation or the framework of, let's say, Upanishads, then they would have explained that as oneness with uh, the universal consciousness, right? Whatever that is, right? So they would have explained it that way. Um, but they are explaining it as, wait a minute, um, uh, you, you know, I don't see myself. I mean, I, I, the concept of I went away and so on, right? They are explaining it in that sense. They are not explaining self. You see what I mean? Because that cannot be, right? That cannot be explained. They're not explaining self. So just want to be clear that uh, I see it as... Um, even though we are using the word experience, the experience is that of the oneness, not that of self, right? So even in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, that's, that's what they're saying. It is the experience of that oneness, 
or the non-dual state, right? So um, now uh, one thing that became clear uh, again with uh, 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 in Ramdas's book, right? Uh, he, he talks about this and says, hey, nothing has changed. I just go experience that and come back. I think it's like a trip and then I come back. Um, the difference is, can that, um, the, is with, um, if you had that knowledge, which we are going through, would that, uh, the combination with having this transcendental, well, quote unquote experience, which is that of being one in a deeper meditative state through Nididhyasana, let's say, you know, would that be uh, um, transformative or the, is the knowledge enough is the question, right? So here we have that knowledge. What is then lacking, right? The Nididhyasana is lacking, but the Nididhyasana is what? It is a deeper meditative state where with this knowledge, you're using that knowledge to take you into that deeper meditative state where you can experience that oneness, right? I mean, that's exactly what even in this book, even in the verses we are reading, that's what they're talking about. Uh, uh, um, Adi Shankara is talking about, isn't it? Of yeah. yeah. But so, but I, I, I have a, I have a slight sort of disagreement on that, Kishore. Which okay. Is that yeah. Yeah. To me, at least in my sort of mind, and from whatever I've been hearing and reading, is that even a meditative experience, right? Yeah. And which in Nirvikalp Samadhi could lead to the way you describe it as, you know, that experience of uh, experience within quotes of oneness, it is still a, it is still the, it, it is still not realization. It is not self -realization. It is, it is, it is fine. You, you have, you have an experience of oneness, but that is not. That's not, uh, I mean, I agree. I agree that's that not it's not And, yeah. and, and so mm -hmm. the way I, the one thing which I think, you know, I kind of feel strongly about is that if somebody has, become realized like a lot of the swamis yeah. uh, you, you know they once they're realized they are realized it's not like you know they need to go in they, they would they would want to do meditation they would want to do all the kind of dhyana and all that stuff right but realization has happened and that once it has happened there's no going back I right you can you yeah. can still have your sort of day-to-day -day, uh, experience in the material world because they have a body and they have a mind and they have everything else Right, but they are realized. I mean, once realized, it's done. Right, and so I, I'm trying to differentiate between realization and this yeah. sort of meditation the, leading to oneness. And and yeah. to, at, at some level, uh, Kishore, it is still an experience. I mean, we can call it whatever we want. It is an experience. Right, but has, again, can you, you know, stay it, with that? Uh, can uh, okay, see, uh, can that stay with you forever? Right, I mean, if, that experience by itself is not going to make it that way. I agree with that which is what right. I think you're saying, just because you've experienced that oneness state doesn't make you self-realize. And that's not something when you come out of that, is that something that you carry with you? No, I, I agree that that alone is not sufficient, right? Um, I have a feeling, again, this is a concept that I had in mind, which is that the realized people, for them, they feel that way or that is their default state. That's how they are at this point in, the, in the, that state of oneness. That's, they carry that throughout. It's not an experience that you go to a different state and come back, but that's, that's their state. Is it true? Oh, no. I mean, I, I, so that's a concept I, I feel. I, 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 don't, I don't fully understand that, but I would 
at least the way I would think of it is that if you look at anything which is meditation related, and eventually if you look at the nirvikalpa samadhi and oneness, it is probably a very high high form of meditation, right? Or or a high, you know that, that that's meditation at a very different level, if you will, right? But it is still not realization. And, you know, if, if, if we kind of look at sort of going back and, the, you know, there's karma yoga and there's bhakti yoga and there's dhyana yoga, which is meditation, etc. This is ultimately that is a path to self-realization, but it's probably a step before that or half a step before you get there or something like that. But it is still it is still not realization. It is still a body and mind, you know, involving experience involving the material world and body and the mind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it is. It is also a path. Bhakti is a path. Karma yoga is a path. But it is not the end. It's not the end game. Yeah. yeah. So Ajay, 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 and Kishore, Lakshmi, if you can uh, give me a minute, I think I think this is a very important point to be discussed. My my point is, you know, we are we are talking about some sages who have self-realized and all that. My question to all of us is, you know, the moment we have read that particular shlokas in chapter two, where we know who our true self is, aren't we all aware of who we are? Yes. Okay. So that's my point too. You know, what wait, is wait, the... wait, 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 wait. I, yeah. I, let, let me read. Now, let's take the analogy. Okay. The, this analogy, is, it struck in my head because of Swami Guru Parananda. Okay. He says that, let's say that, you know, your goal is perfect health. Okay. And he says that, for perfect health, a, 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 a guy who has researched it perfectly, he comes and tells you, saying that you should eat limited food. You should, you should, not, you should not reduce salt intake and all that stuff. And he gives you some 10 things to do. Okay? And then you'll get perfect health. Now, the moment you know that this is, the, this is my uh, modus operandi to get to perfect health, the point is the very next day, we are not going to get perfect health just because we have that thing. Now, when will you get the perfect health? The point is, then you have to go through the process. It may take time. It may take applying that particular knowledge in our real life, cutting down all those things that are irrelevant for getting perfect health. And then once you go through the process, maybe X weeks, X months, X years, X decades, whatever it is, then you get to that perfect state. So it's the same thing. In just because we've read in chapter two that you are not this body and mind yeah. doesn't mean that you know you... You already know who your body and mind is. Then you start working on your body and mind to make those changes within yourself so that you, you align your body and mind to get that perfectness. Okay. Absolutely. That is the spiritual path. Now, Absolutely. This, this does not require any experience at all. Simply, it just requires you to start applying it daily life. Going back to your point, Kishore, gunas. Okay. Why do we need gunas? Okay. We know that unless and until you develop Non-violent, ahimsa, satyam. Okay. You cannot, it's like prescribing, you know, don't eat salt, don't eat excessive yeah. sugar to get perfect yeah. health. That's yeah. what it is. I, I agree. I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I think that the difference is this. Another analogy, uh, like climbing Mount Everest. I, I think here we are talking about the final climb to the uh, summit, right? It is that part we are debating in, in, in this particular point. There, are, there were many, many other stations along the way, right? There were many, many other stations along the way, in, including getting to the foothills in the first place, right? So there were, uh, but we've, uh, in, in this particular case, we are talking about the, the, the last uh, climb to the summit, right? right? That's exactly kind of the and complete agreement that there were many things along the way which resulted in the mind being somewhat calm, even more calm, even more calm, 
and then f- lets you at least enables you to do that this is like okay you've trained your body to deal with low oxygen levels and so on at some point you're ready to even climb or uh, from the final uh, station here so yes all that happened now at this point the question is um what is that final that, that summit state look like? And once you reach that summit, is it just, oh, oh this is what it is, and then does it change you forever um, as an experience, quote-unquote? Uh, does it change you forever, or was, was it like um, a visit to a place? And then and that's it. Like, you know, it's part of your memory, but not really changed your fabric in any particular way, right? You sure, I'll answer that once after Lakshmi you know, makes, makes a point. Lakshmi? So I, I don't know if I'm making a point, but at the end, it's a question. I think I, I love the conversation we are having today, especially. And it, it answers a lot of questions, a lot of uh, my questions, but again, the, the, at the end, I still have a question. So we, so st- from the start, we, we, we say that okay we get we could get enlightened or realized or understanding of oneness through uh, either jnana yoga or karma yoga or, or bhakti yoga right and one uh, can get to that whatever state right to real state we say it um, but so once we do that all right now we are in a phase we understand right but we haven't experienced or we are also saying that experience it's you don't have to experience but you just have to realize that state of oneness right Uh, but again how do we maintain that state of oneness or calmness throughout the day or continuously that that's what I'm struggling at right so um, I know so I can't tell someone say oh give me 20 minutes or 10 minutes I'll go to meditation and come back with that calmness state right um, that how, how do you maintain that I okay I, I, I will follow food habits I will follow um, do meditation I'll do whatever uh, that it takes. But again, it, there are ups and downs. How do you get to that state? And especially when you are living in this uh, world, uh, world, of course, you, you're conscious at that moment. But again, it, it all depends on external circumstances also, uh, external situations also, right? So how, how, do, how do you do that? At the end, I would like to get that uh, the answer to how do you maintain that state of calmness every time? Yeah, a million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> I can read so many books, I can meditate, but I can't meditate during the way during the day no, I, when I, think, I have to do certain things. Actually, I, I, I think that uh, what Rajesh was saying earlier, right? That if you keep doing it, eventually you will get to that condition, right? So he gave the point of improving your health or, you know, so you know what you need to eat, but once you continue to do that for a period of time, 
then your health will be better automatically. So I think it's that, you know, you, you meditate now and then eventually when you're in that uh, situation, you will not have the same kind of uh, reaction that you might have today. I think that's what it is. So that, yeah. So I was thinking about that too. So it's not just Jnana Yoga, Karma Yoga or Bhakti Yoga. One needs to, I, I, I feel strongly that one needs to meditate to get to that calmness, right? Uh, if it's not possible during the day, find some time maybe out of your daily work routine to do that. Do you guys agree or I, I just would yes. like to debate yes. on that? I, I think that it's, uh, you know, it's different for each individual. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, in general, I would say yes, uh, that we should adopt some of these good practices. And the practices may be a little bit different. You know, some people might meditate, some people might spend their time contemplating what they've learned. And even that helps, I think. Uh, but uh, what I would call sort of being in the zone for some period of time every day. I would buy insurance before I need it. Um, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <clears throat> Practicing every day a little bit so that when on the day when I need it, when there's a big storm in my life, I still am able to see the storm as storm. And from a different vantage point, rather than from the vantage point of a person involved in that particular storm on that day. One wonderful you said. That is, that is, I think, I was looking for words to articulate it and you said it very well and that we don't need to have that constant calmness. It's not possible uh, given, given the lives we have. It's about every now and then at building that resilience and that, you know, it's, it's about building that resilience and being able to zoom out, say that actually, let's put this in perspective, right? That itself is coming. So it's, 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 you're still running, but the tiger is no longer chasing you. Well said. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, very interestingly said there. And, and also, uh, Rajesh, your point about insurance, I completely agree. But, you know, when we um, um, talk about different things, like, okay, whether it's karma yoga or yamas and yamas, uh, again, I'll go back to the analogy of uh, going to Everest and climbing to the summit, right? Uh, we can't say that uh, uh, the planning, getting to, the, uh, getting to uh, the foothills, arranging for the transportation to get there, and then start our climb, go to the base camp, one, two, three, four, whatever. And then we can't say that those things were not important, right? It's only because of those that you are even there in base camp five and you're talking about going to the summit, Right. So to me, all that um, is part of getting there, right? Yeah, preparing yourself to make that final summit, right? Um, so they were all part of it. So you had to train for months before you even got there, right? Uh, and then when you got there, then it, 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 so many other uh, things that happened along the way. So karma yoga and everything, uh, to me, is part of that journey, right? It took us or brought us to a place where our, our mind is relatively calm, right? Relatively calm. And we are able to handle things. Um, we are seeing things around, like we are able to handle our daily life in, in a certain way, right? It's changing us from the inside out, 
slowly, steadily changing us from the inside out. Uh, meditation, in the classic use of the word meditation, is also helping us in, in getting our mind to a more calm state, right? When I say classic use, because Nidityasanam to me is also a meditation, right? If we, um, uh, so we'll have to kind of segregate it. So um, it finally, re, uh, it boils down to um, the fact that all these practices, whether it's what we eat, how much we sleep, what, how much we work, or how much we don't work, all of that uh, encompasses how do we get our mind to a calm state, right? Um, from because that is the fundamental requirement or a prerequisite to even uh, understand this knowledge at a deeper level, right? For the nididhyasana to happen, we need to get there, right? So that's what we've been. So we have that the knowledge from an intellectual perspective. If we and we continuing to let's say practice, um, at which point at least we are ready in in some way or getting ready or getting to the point where we can be ready to understand this, right? To uh, to make that final, and uh, not final in the sense, understand it at a more deeper level. That's how I, I see it, right? In the, I, I, I think the base camps analogy fits for me, like without those base camps, you cannot mm. get to the final place. Sure, but the point is, Swami Chinmayananda in his, in his Upanishads daily, he says, he uses the same example. He says, you know, uh, can you, one guy asks, the, the, the Sisha asks the Guru, can you describe to me what is the view from the Mount Everest? He says, uh, you know, I can only tell you to get there. And once you get there, you see the view, you describe it. The point of what he's trying to say is, when you get to the Mount Everest and when you look at the view at that from that vantage point, you're speechless. Yeah. He says, you cannot describe it. Mm. Okay, Swami, uh, uh, you know, if you guys are following the Upanishad daily, you should go read, listen to that episode. He uses Mount Everest example, same. He says you can do all the preparation work, but at that summit, when yeah. you reach there, and if you say, describe to me how it is so that I can come and uh, experience yeah. it, the guru says, I'm speechless. I cannot describe it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. So just, just one, one, one thing I wanted to add, you know, uh, Kishore, for example, you, you said, you know, there is a, there is a, there is a, a feeling of oneness is that what you said yeah um, and so you know one of the things which i again you know reflecting on chapter two is that and and some of the quotes that you hear from some of the swamis you know it's not just about you know there are three things right this it's it says i am uh, atman right and then you kind of say everyone is atman right and then the third stage is that there is only atman Right, and that we are, you know. So the oneness is like I, I kind of think of it as sort of one strand where I am one with the with something with the Atman or whatever, right? But how do you connect the other strand, which is everyone else is the same as who we are, right? We are all sort of there is like you know the quote of there is there is. Uh, um, I forget now this, you know, sorry, I forget it. I, I, I leave that. But the whole idea that there is only God, right? There is only Atman. So when you have that experience like Sharda you described, where she says, you know, I had this kind of, I had this sort of quote unquote experience where I was one with, there was oneness. 
but what about the rest right and i, so, I think that is prob- and that's probably the difference between a kind of uh, experience which kind of trans- which 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 uh, you know sort of overlaps between say a waking state and uh, maybe a sleeping state uh, and and self realization where it is it is just equanimity everything is the same nothing matters you just do what you need to do kind of thing i don't know whether i'm, I'm kind of making any sense but i'm trying to sort of so the yeah. way i understand dajay uh, that oneness or the union is you know reaches a state of um of being one with atman uh, the um the reflected soul right and then yeah. the oneness they talking about is of uh, of the non dual state where you one with brahman right or the universal mm-hmm. consciousness where the um even the um the concept of atman of that of the reflected consciousness in your body goes away right and you're one with the universal consciousness or it becomes one that there is no difference there's no other thing right so uh that's a non dual state i know it's hard to uh, <laughs> uh to you know i don't know put in words but it, that's how i understood it as in you initially reach a state where you feel you're not your mind you're not your body right but it's still kind of tethered in some way to the body right because it feels like that and yeah. then from that uh, tethered to the mind and body you're not it but you're kind of even connected to it in some way because that's where you've ex- experienced it but then from there untethering of that which then takes you to the universal consciousness level saying i'm now one with that right uh, where the um in which case then you that is the experience of oneness i was referring to um mm. is how i i am conceptualizing it again um in terms of what when when we read these um ex- quote and quote experiences of um of, yeah. of this type of uh, yeah. yeah whether the doctor what the doctor went through and all that Yeah. Dude, uh, we will have I, to close this after ashish uh, says what oh, he has to say yeah hopefully i'll take only one minute and i no, take a time take a time we can extend try it to uh, answer kishore if i understand his question correctly uh, so uh, i believe kishore you're saying once uh, a person reaches that stage either through meditation or through some of these experiences as the doctor went through uh, how to stay in that continuously because obviously it is joyful looks like uh, so uh, i i i would say it is your choice what you want to do and uh, uh, if you have reached that experience through meditation i believe that there are uh, uh, swamis and sadhus who uh, decide that it is best for them to stay in that so they they stay in the caves and they are meditating all the times because they want to in that experience so it it's it's your choice i think and then there are others who either by instructions from their gurus or on their own decided to come back uh, like some vikananda and some uh, kandanand and all they they come and they they benefit the world and it it's not that they are not with the realization because the knowledge is there uh, they 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 can operate in this uh, day to day world with that knowledge always with them so it is up to you if you prefer to stay with that then you would become 
a monk in the Himalayas and in the caves. And if you still want to contribute to this world, you will come back and not stay with that. And imagine that the, the experience that the doctor has been explaining in her talk, if your nerves are extended out and it feels like it's merging with everything and everything is an energy, if you have to drive your car in that state, will you be able to do that? So it depends on what you want to do after that has happened. Awesome, Ashish. I think that is a good one. Good, good point what you brought in. I think we are one minute past the past the time today. But you know, the one the one uh, great discussions today, and I think you know it probably cl clarifies some of the concepts what what we haven't maybe even reinforces some of the concepts what you already know as uh, the reality. But amazing discussion. The one thing that I want to want to share here before we say our concluding prayer is uh, something what Ajay said triggered this thought in my, my mind. And how do you see that? Oneness. The way is, you know, if you see yourself like a small spark of fire, then you are containing yourself, contained within the body. Then that's one way of seeing yourself. The other way of seeing it yourself is, you see yourself as a huge uh, uh, forest fire, okay, with different millions and millions of sparks going all over, and each of these sparks contained in some tree or you know hidden in a tree or whatever. So it's the two ways of viewing it, okay. But but the spark itself is no different from that huge. Uh, forest fire but maybe it's hidden in different uh, bodies and therefore it's not expressed in in the same same intensity but that swabhav is there the swarup is there the swabhav is not there the swarup is there so the spark is no different from the fire that's what i would i would like to say so maybe you know we will just conclude with our concluding prayer and then perhaps uh, continue this discussion on on the whatsapp and get back to next week Let's say a concluding prayer. Oh, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha, Sarve Santu Niramaya, Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu, Makaschit Dukkha Bhagabhavet. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Sri Guru Bhyona Maha Harihi O. Thank you so much, everyone, for an awesome, awesome discussion today. I think I'm going to go back and listen to this once we record it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.